Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. today, Lord, we glorify you. Oh, be lifted above all other gods. We lay our crowns and worship you. Sing it one more time. Oh, be lifted above all other gods we lay our crowns and worship lift your hands sing it one more time oh be lifted above all other gods we lay down our crowns and we worship I wish you would say it one more time Tell him. Oh, above all our God, we lay down our crowns and worship. And sing, oh glorious God. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. 
whatever crowns we bear in this life, we lay each and every one of them down as part of our worship and as part of our adoration for your most holy name. For you are the king of kings and you are the lord of lords. And that is why you ought to be lifted above all other gods. And here we are this morning to worship you. To magnify your name. And to give attention to your word for us. Thank you that that word is about to come our way this morning. And Father I pray in the name of Jesus. That you will speak to us. Give us a listening ear. Give us an understanding heart. May we be mightily blessed this morning. In Jesus name have we prayed with thanksgiving. And let everybody say amen. Amen. Give Jesus a mighty hand clap. God bless you. And you may be seated. Some of you sat down before I gave the instruction. May the Lord forgive you all your trespasses. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And look into the face of your neighbor. Tell your neighbor something good is coming your way this morning. And you made the right decision to come to church. When I look at your face, it was left with small you nearly didn't come. But the spirit of God moved you. It was the spirit of God. Tell your neighbor, thank God you listened to him. And you are here this morning. I know that your life. I said your life. I mean your life. I mean your life. It will never be the same again. Clap unto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. It's good to see all of you. And thank you for being in church today. And I want to thank all those of you who have joined in online as well. God bless you for choosing to be in this particular live streaming. You have options. You could have been anywhere else. But you chose to be here. And I thank God for your life. And it's not a mistake. Because God has a word for you this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, last week's Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. Is that not so? And we marked the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus from the dead. Now, the resounding message of Easter is this, that Jesus is alive. What is the resounding message of Easter? Would you like to say it like somebody who really believes it? Shout it out again. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And you know, this is one of the main pillars of Christianity. And upon this pillar, our faith is built. The fact of the matter is that without this elementary truth, your faith and my faith will be completely useless. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 15. It says, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. Did you see it there? 
It continues, and we apostles will all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. I say again and again, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. You know, I'm wondering that if somebody were to ask you that how do you know that Jesus is alive? What will you tell the person? Somebody said something I didn't hear. Do you understand the question I'm asking you? That if you meet somebody who is disputing with you that Jesus is alive? What exactly will you tell the person that this is my evidence? Or these are my pieces of evidence that Jesus is alive? What will you tell the person? Tell the person sitting by you that the pastor is asking you something very important. Do you, do you understand the question? Look, demand from your neighbor an answer right now. Give me one answer at least to prove that Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. Amen. Every child of God should be able to give reasons for why you are a Christian. And why you believe the things you believe in. Every child of God must be certain about these Christian truths and beliefs. And that is why I believe that our main duty as pastors is to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that is the reason why I teach and I minister the way I do. It is not about drama. It is not about concert. It's not about tickling your itching ears. But it's about feeding you with knowledge and understanding. Because God promised in Jeremiah 3.15 that I will give you pastors according to my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. When Jesus was raised from the dead and he had lunch or dinner with the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, he had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Peter. 
And he asked him, Simon Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I do. Then he said, feed my lambs. Then he asked again, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. Then he asked the third time, do you love me? He said, feed my lambs. And that is what feeding is about. Imparting knowledge and understanding to the people of God. And that is our main assignment as pastors. And so, if you go to church Sunday after Sunday, and your growth and development in the things of God is not improving, it is a sign that something is wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. And I say again that every child of God must be able to give an answer to why you believe the things you believe. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. It says from the NIV version, if you have that, it says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So you can see it clearly in the word of God. That as a child of God, you must be able to give the reason why you believe what you believe in. And why you have the hope that you have. Why do you believe that your sins have been forgiven? Why do you believe that God loves you? Why do you believe that when you die, you will go to heaven? What makes you believe that you will spend eternity with Jesus? You must have answers to all these questions. And every child of God must be a defender of the faith. You must be somebody who is an expert at what we call apologetics. Because apologetics is the branch of theology which concerns the defense and proof of Christianity. And you must get to that point in your Christian world. And be able to explain why you are a Christian. And why you are not a member of any other religion. You should be able to explain that. Hallelujah. Now, today, because we just came out of the Easter season, I mean, we are not completely out of it yet. But I think that it will be appropriate for me to share with you a very important message. And the title of my message today is Our Proof That Jesus Is Alive. Our Proof That Jesus Is Alive. How many would like to have this proof? Because when they ask you at the beginning, you realize that you don't know. What to say if somebody were to ask you why you think Jesus is alive? The good news for you this morning is that by the time you walk out of here, you will know what to say and you'll be able to answer that question confidently. I'm sharing with you our proof that Jesus is alive. The first proof was mentioned. The first proof of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is that the tomb of Jesus is empty. The tomb of Jesus is empty. 
That is the strongest proof that Jesus is alive and that he rose from the dead. That his tomb is empty. If you go to Israel today and you ask around, they will show you where the tomb of Jesus is. It is a historic fact based on archaeological findings that showed that there is a particular place in Israel which is where Jesus' body was laid. And you can go there today, today, today. Not by bus. No, don't take Trotro there, please. You see, you, you need to get a visa. And you have to buy a ticket. And you actually have to fly. You can't walk there. And Okada cannot take you there, please. All right. One day, by the grace of God, Jesus. I will take I us all it. to Amen. Israel. Amen. Do you believe that is we possible? Believe it. Because Jesus is alive, it is possible. Amen. Hey, once Jesus is alive, everything is possible. possible. Hallelujah. Amen. But one remarkable thing that you will notice when you go to the tomb of Jesus today is this. And that the tomb exists. But the body is not there. And it is not there because the person who laid in that tomb, he rose from the dead. If you go to the tombs of many religious characters, you will discover that their remains still lie in the tomb. Every one of them, provided we know where they were buried. If you go there, you will discover their bodies in their graves. But not so with my Jesus. He is not in the tomb. He is not in the grave. Where is he? He is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, somebody may say that, ah, but that is not proof. They may want to argue that somebody stole the body. <laughs> or that the women who came to report that Jesus was alive, maybe they went to the wrong tomb. So these are two possibilities. I agree that these possibilities are not illogical. But let's scrutinize these clothes. That somebody went to steal the body from the tomb. The question is who? Possible answers. Was it the Jews? There's no reason why they'll go and steal the body of Jesus. Because it was in their interest that he laid in the in the tomb. Was it the Romans? They also did not have any interest in stealing the body of Jesus. Some argue that it was the disciples or the apostles who went to steal the body from the tomb. Let me show you from the scriptures that it is not likely. Matthew 27 reading from verse 62 I am teaching you this morning what you can say to anybody who questions you how you know that Jesus is alive. Matthew 27 verse 62. The Bible says the next day on the Sabbath the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, 
We remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. So it's Jesus they are referring to as a deceiver. Says after three days I will rise from the dead. It says so we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we will be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. They did this to ensure at least for three days that nobody will have access to the tomb so everything they could do to make sure that nobody could come for the body of Jesus they did it they themselves did not have any reason why they would take the body anywhere. The Romans did not have any reason for taking the body of Jesus away. And as for the apostles, remember that they were hiding. Which of them was going to lead them to come and take the body of Jesus? So that assertion that somebody stole the body of Jesus cannot be true. Then the other thing that people say or suggest is that Maybe the women went to the wrong tomb. That is also not possible. Because they were there and they knew exactly where he was put. Remember that when everybody else had left after the death of Jesus. These women remained. They saw where Joseph of Arimathea carried the body to. And they saw the particular tomb into which his body was placed. So it's not possible that they went to the wrong tomb. Now, if they had gone to the wrong tomb, all that the Jews and the Romans needed to do to prove that they were lying was to produce the body of Jesus. So once it started circulating in town that Jesus was alive, all they had to do was to produce the body of Jesus and say, oh, oh, is that not a body? Is that not a body? But they could not do that. Because the women went to the right tomb. And the tomb was empty because Jesus was alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Proof number two. The second proof of the resurrection of Jesus is the women who first testified about the resurrection. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. The women who testified that Jesus was alive. These women are proof that Jesus was indeed alive. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Look at Matthew 28 verse 1 to 2. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Jump to verse 5. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come. 
See where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened. But also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Hallelujah. Amen. Now this is Matthew's account. And if you read the other gospels, you will find similar accounts. Now, if the writers of the gospel of the Gospels. Matthew. Matthew. Mark. Luke. John. If they made up the story that they wrote. That we are reading about in the Bible. If they made it up. There's one thing I can tell you for sure. They will never have used women as the eyewitnesses of what had happened. Because if you say in that time, during that time, women were like second class citizens. They were not even allowed to testify in court. And so if somebody was making up this story of the resurrection of Jesus, he will never have used women as eyewitnesses. But what happened really happened. These women actually saw him. And the spirit of God inspired the writers of the gospel to record it. And they couldn't change it. Because it was not a made up story. It was something that actually happened. Hallelujah. So that is the second proof that Jesus is alive. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Proof number three. The dramatic change in the apostles. The dramatic change in the apostles. John chapter 20 verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So notice here that they were hiding. They were afraid. They were cowards who were afraid for themselves and were hiding. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is what ensued after John and Peter had raised the cripple at the gate called Beautiful. And you find that story in Acts chapter 3. But after the miracle, they were brought before the members of the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says in verse 13 of Acts chapter 4, the members of the council were amazed. Now notice what the Bible says. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, what did they see about them? Boldness. Say it again. What did they see about them? Boldness. It continues for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, these apostles and disciples, when they came to arrest Jesus, 
they all ran away. All of them ran away. One of them even left his clothes behind and ran away. And it is believed that it was, I think, Mark or Luke. One of these young guys around. After the cruise, and, and also remember that Peter denied Jesus three times. He swore that he didn't know him. That he didn't have anything to do with him. That is how cowards behave. And after the crucifixion of Jesus, like we read in the first scripture, they went to hide and they locked the doors, barricaded the doors, put barrels of water, barrels of oil, table, uh, 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 bags of, 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 of flour, bread, water, to block the door, so that nobody can get through to them. They were afraid. After the crucifixion of Jesus, and they were hiding because they were afraid that they would come for them and kill them as well. But a few days after, something changed. These same guys who were hiding, who denied Jesus, who abandoned him in his hour of greatest need. Something changed in them. And we see it first in how Peter stood on the day of Pentecost. And spoke powerfully and preached boldly and told the people without mincing words that you killed Jesus. This Jesus that you killed he's alive. God has raised him from the dead. You must repent. You must turn from your sins and you will receive this gift of salvation. It is the same Peter who denied him. Who ran away. Who was hiding behind locked doors. Together with the other apostles. Cowards they were. But now something had changed. Now they were filled with boldness. Which is what the members of the council noted when they spoke to Peter and John. That these guys, they are very bold. They are not holding back at all. They are saying what they want to say. And it is obvious that they are not afraid. Question. What changed? What turned cowards? into such bold witnesses. The only thing that happened that is significant enough to have changed them was that they saw Jesus. They saw him. Behind the locked doors, he appeared. He met with them at the Sea of Galilee. When he organized supper for them, they saw him on Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives, which was where he was ascended to heaven from. They saw him and they knew that he was alive. And they knew that this was actually the son of God. And that thing changed something in the inside of them. And from being cowards, they became bold witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Psychologists will tell you in fact, if you understand human nature, you know that people don't just change like that. They are there, not then they've changed. Something always happens for people to change. And if the change is very significant, then it means that what happened to them must have been a very great thing. Ladies and gentlemen, the dramatic change in the apostles is one of our proofs that Jesus is alive and that he resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah! Amen. Number four. We are almost done. 
I want to say every time you tell us that we are almost done, every time you tell us that we are almost yeah, done, and we are never done. This time we don't believe you. I will put you to shame. You watch and see. Proof number four. The changed lives of James and the others. The changed lives of James and the others. This James I'm referring to is not James the son of Zebedee. But this James was one of the brothers of Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus had brothers Jesus. and sisters. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 to 10. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures say. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures say. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Take note of that also. Then he goes on to say, most of whom are still alive. Though some have died. The next line. Then he was seen by James. And later by all the apostles. Now this James. Is not the James in the original 12 disciples. This was James the brother of Jesus. Paul continues and says last of all. As though I had been born at the wrong time. I also saw him. For I'm the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. May you become a candidate for special favor from the Lord. Not just any favor, I, I said special favor. It. May God treat you in a special Amen. way. May God favor you in a special Amen. way. May God visit you in a special Amen. way. May God like you in a special Amen. way. May God do you good in a special Amen. way. May God bless you in a special Amen. way. Shout I receive it. I receive it. For I have worked harder than any of the other so apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul is testifying here that James, the brother of Jesus, saw him. He saw Jesus after he resurrected from the dead. Now, why is this significant? Because James, because James and his other brothers, and in fact, a lot of Jesus' family members did not believe in him. How do I know? Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. In this scripture, you will see that Jesus had brothers and sisters. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom? And the power to perform such miracles. Then they scoffed. Oh, he's just a carpenter. The son of Mary the notice and the brother of James Joseph Judas and Simon and his sisters live right here among us so Jesus was not the only child of Joseph not the only child of Mary and Jesus and Mary 
Mary and yen ne bankwani Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> Who be sounding yes, I'll call her wine interpreting. so be our end now when she does so at it. Amen. Amen. When one door closes, another door will open. Say amen. Amen. Now, what will be such as I want to be your interpreter? We see from this scripture that Jesus had brothers and sisters. He had a brother called James. One was called Joseph. One was called Judas. Judas. Not the original one. <laughs> And yes, I go back. This is another Judas. Where are Judas? Well, Judas was a good name. Judas, he did papa pa. Until the original one, <laughs> and so he messed up the name completely. So now it's very unlikely. It's intensible that when you have a son, so be uba be ma pa. You want to call him Judas Abebrese. The only Judas I know. Judas, I won't even know. Apart from the original Judas, Judas Abakoro was a boxer. No, on a book truku from Bukum. Oh, free Bukum. And perhaps he chose that name Judas. Judas to make him fearful. So that he'll frighten all the other opponents. But Judas is the derivative of Judah. And it means praise. And Jesus also had another brother called Simon. And he had sisters. So this James that I'm talking about was one of the brothers of Jesus. Now they did not believe in him. Initially. They did not. Look at John chapter 7. Verse 1 to 5. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea. Where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. So when you know that people don't like you, you don't go to where they are. Is that not so? Yeah. It's not every party that you are invited to that you should go for. <laughs> Some of you, your stomach. Your stomach. Because of your stomach. Everywhere you are going. Yeah. It's, not every part, it's not every party. It's not every meeting. It's not every invitation that you are supposed to honor. Especially when you realize that the people don't like you and are plotting evil against you. It continues, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea. Where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Read the last sentence with me. What does it say? For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And his brothers included this James. But this James, later on, he became one of the apostles. And he became one of the main leaders in the church at Jerusalem. He was the one who wrote the letter of James in the Bible. He is the one who wrote every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Something changed in him. Something changed in him. 
And Paul gives us a clue as to what changed in him. Now Paul or say that Zedekiah created in the earlier scripture that we read. I will trust somebody. It says that he saw Jesus when he was raised from the dead. That was enough to change him. And it is only logical to conclude that that thing must have had a great effect on him. Can you imagine that your brother that you saw killed or you, you well, you saw killed appears to you and you saw him feeling feeling and dole dole. It changed something in him. And that's how come he, James, who did not used to believe before, became a powerful witness of Jesus Christ. And he died for what he believed in. James was stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Proof number five. The large crowd of eyewitnesses. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. We read that earlier on. It says after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And at the time Paul was writing he explained that most of these 500 followers were still alive. And some were dead. These 500 followers were they saw Jesus. They saw that he was alive. And they testified to it. You will be told again by psychologists that it is not possible for 500 people all of them to be hallucinating at the same time. All of them at the same time they had this kind of weird encounter. If it's just one or two people you can raise questions about it. But more than 500 people are testifying about the same thing. Massa, I don't think too far. And they testified about it. Not because they were hallucinating. But because they saw him with their physical eyes. And they had meetings with him after he was resurrected. That is the fifth proof that Jesus is alive. Last but one, the conversion of Paul. The apostle Paul. You know the story of Paul in Acts chapter 9. He was somebody who did not like Christians at all. And he used to organize for them to be arrested and thrown into prison. He, Paul, was there when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was killed. He was stoned to death. He was an assassin to the murder of Stephen. One day, he was traveling to Damascus to go and arrest more Christians. Bring them to Jerusalem for them to be tried and sentenced. But on that road, he met Jesus. He encountered Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? And he asked, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He said, you go back to the city and somebody will come and tell you what to do. When he got up from the ground where he had fallen, he was blind. God sent Ananias to him who spoke to him and prayed for him and his eyes were opened. Now look at Acts chapter 9 verse 20 to 22. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. Saying he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, 
And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So look at the conversion of Paul. He used to organize for Christians to be arrested and some killed. But now he became the most effective missionary. Traveling all across Asia Minor. Testifying that Jesus is alive and that he is the Messiah and that he is Lord. Something happened to him. He met this Jesus. This Jesus who was killed but who rose from the dead. He encountered him. And that encounter changed his life forevermore. And because of that experience of the resurrected Jesus, Paul was prepared to suffer anything and everything to defend the name of Christ and to declare that he's Lord and he's King. They flogged him five times. They beat him with rods three times. He was shipwrecked three times. They stoned him once. He knew a lot of hunger. He, he was put in prison. And he went through poverty. And a lot of hardships. And the reason why he went through all of these things was that he had an encounter of the resurrected Jesus. And that encounter changed his life forever. And the final proof is the people who gave their lives for Jesus. The martyrs who over the years have died for Jesus. That ladies and gentlemen is one of the proofs that Jesus is alive. Ever since the inception of the Christian faith, people have given their lives. People just don't die like that something very strong must be driving people who decide to die for somebody else. And there are many people who lost their lives because they believed in this resurrection. Jesus. They were given options to deny him. But they said we cannot. He is alive. We've experienced him. We've encountered him. So if you take the original apostles, all of them, of course, apart from Judas, all of them, they died for what they believed. James, I told you, the, the brother of Jesus, he was stoned to death. All the other apostles, they died in various places. Somebody like Thomas, doubting Thomas, he was a missionary to India. And that was where he died. The apostle Peter was crucified upside down. It's a historic fact. Paul, Paul, his head was cut off. They put his head on a piece of wood or block <laughs> took a sharp knife and, and cut off his head. There were many other believers. And this story that I'm telling you, it has happened over the years. Even today, there are places in the world where people are killed because of their faith in Jesus. It is not faith in a dead Jesus. It is faith in a Jesus who is alive. Oh, there were many Christians who were thrown into Roman arenas and lions 
demons were released to devour them. And people were in the stands cheering and laughing as the lions tore their bodies apart. There are some Christians who were tied to the stake and they were burnt alive. There were many of these Christians as they were going to their death. They were worshipping God, singing to his glory, singing to his honor. Why would people behave like this? And it has been over 2,000 years since Jesus came and died and rose from the dead. And all through these years, there are people who have Died and given their lives for this Jesus. It is not for a Jesus who is dead and lying in a grave somewhere. It is for a Jesus who is alive. And that encounter with the Jesus who is alive explains why people are prepared to give their lives for him. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is alive. And these are the proofs that Jesus is alive. What does it mean for you and I? I want you to understand that you have made the best decision for your life. To surrender your life to this Jesus. You are serving the right God. And there's a reason for you to have the hope that you have. And the faith that you have. Because if your Jesus is alive, then it means he's looking out for you. If your Jesus is alive, it means that you can face your tomorrow. If your Jesus is alive, it means that whatever battles you are dealing with currently in your life, there is hope for you. If your Jesus is alive, it means that your place is secured in heaven. That indeed your sins are forgiven. Washed by the blood of Jesus. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. There is yet hope for you that as you cling to this Jesus, as you cling to his own ragged cross, that day will come when the trumpet will sound, when the dead in Christ will be raised and all believers who are alive and still remain will be caught up with them to meet Jesus in the air, to live with him forevermore. Your faith is not in vain. Your convictions are not in vain. Whatever sacrifices you are making for the Lord are not in vain. Ladies and gentlemen, your Jesus is alive. Your Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, your future is bright. Your tomorrow looks great. What is not working for you today, by the grace of God, it will turn around for the better for you. Jesus is alive yes, and we give him all the glory and all the honor Amen. as the king of kings Amen. and as the lord of lords Amen. rise to your feet and so clap your hands unto the lord and give him praise hallelujah thank you Jesus every head bowed and every eye closed This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to this Jesus. This Jesus who died for us, but lives now forevermore. He loved us so much, and he still loves us. And because of this love, he came to die for us. Now, when such great love is shown to you, the appropriate response is to love the person back. And today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And as every head is bowed, and every eye closed. You want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Wherever you're standing, can you lift up your right hand? And I'm going to pray with you this morning. God bless you. You want to give your heart to Jesus. You want to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Lift up your right hand wherever you are. If you're watching us, you can lift your hand right where you are. I can see you, but Jesus can 
and as you take this step for him he is right there with you ready to embrace you now please pray this prayer with me say Lord Jesus I come to you just as I am thank you Jesus for coming to die for me today in response to your love I give you my life I give you my heart I give you my all please wash me clean of all my sins make my life brand new change my life help me to save you and to love you for the rest of my life please write my name in the book of life thank you father for saving me in Jesus mighty name let everybody say amen Amen. give Jesus a hand clap my friends Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.